Welcome back to another episode of the Coys Are Us podcast. I'm Joel. I've got Ben and Kim with me. Episode 62 of the Coys Are Us podcast. A Tottenham podcast with four Americans who love Spurs and love talking about them. And we come back with another Tottenham win, which uh, I believe is, what is that, three on the bounce now? Um, We beat Everton at home 2-1 on the 23rd. Um, So that was this past Saturday, I believe. Um, And yeah, uh, Spurs continue to roll and... Four, uh, that's now three games on the bounce. And we also continue to pick up injuries <laughs> with more players uh, eliminating themselves from further matches, whether it be from injury, from red red cards, or from international duty. Um, in any event, before we get into all that, let's talk a little bit about the Everton match. We were just discussing before we started the pod uh, that, Kim, you were actually the only one of the three of us that was able to catch the game live in real time yep and you know watching it live um it was we were celebrating the birthday of um one of my friends dave was a big spurs fan um goes to queen spurs and he said it might have been right at halftime that like spurs winning is not interesting enough like and i'm like bro why did you have to say that and like the immediately after he said that Obviously, Romero doesn't come back at the game. I see Dyer suit up, and I'm like, here we go. <laughs> yeah. Here we go. Like, there's nothing else to say, but here we go. And What did he mean by that? What did he mean by just, that? I don't know. I feel like there's a certain semblance of Spurs fans that, like, enjoy the pain. I don't know what to say. I don't know what to say. Like, that just – he just was like, it's not – it's not that it wasn't – like, to me, I was like, this is fun. Like, winning 2-0 <laughs> – Let's keep running up the score. That's what I wanted to do. But I guess he wanted an interesting game on his birthday, and that he got. <laughs> that he got, indeed. What do you take away from this game, Ben? Uh, this this random, weird 2-1 win against Everton? Yeah, I mean, it's it's another in a kind of... We've been, uh, we've been seeing a pattern develop here over the last... Uh, I mean, really months i guess probably since the beginning of the season yeah i guess it's not so random you know the reverse of last year where we come out on all cylinders um and at some point usually it seems like in the first half even like towards the end of the first half i don't know if it's just we lose steam if uh the other team is picking up on something that you know tactically or I, i think it's probably more the former that we are just expending a ton of energy early in the match and again i think that's ages you know, that is part of Ange Ball is that he wants to come out firing and then just put the game out of reach early. And uh, we're, we're just not quite putting it enough out of reach. And I think we're probably also, uh, you know, losing our, our edge a little too early. Um, it'll be great once we can kind of keep this up for at least 60 minutes and put three up, you know, and, and every match would be ideal here. But it was a uh, it was a pretty painful second half to watch, and like you guys noted, I mean, losing Romero obviously had some impact on that. But I think we were already kind of losing steam towards the end of the first half. Um, 
we just don't look as like right pretty much right after the second goal we just didn't look as up for it we didn't look like we were you know taking the game to them as much i wouldn't say we we're exactly defending but we weren't you know we, we didn't look we didn't have as much thrust so hopefully you know we can we can start doing that better and again uh a lot can change with uh you know our half our squad returning from injury here at some point to, to now lose our our you know, first choice center back pairing again um, is pretty, pretty brutal. And and hopefully that'll just, you know, motivate us to to hit early in the, the transfer market because that window opens here, what, on, on Monday, I think, right? So um, I'm hoping yeah. that they will shell out for a halfback within within the first day or two, hopefully. Um, well, it, it's, funny style, but... you, you, it's funny because it's funny because you talked about how we played up until we were up to nil. And then how the game kind of changed and we seemed to play differently. And as you were describing the match, if I didn't hear the first five minutes of the conversation, I would have assumed that you were a Villa fan. Because it sounds exactly like the Villa United game from yesterday. Like the game literally flipped once they went up 2-0. The only difference with our game is that we were able to keep the three points and they weren't. But I think to your point, it raises concerns because how many times are you going to be able to get away with it? Now, on the one hand, you don't want to be the Spurs fan that gets three points and is still complaining anyway, right? You don't want to be like the person that, that Kim was, was describing a while ago. And I think a lot of times we do have a tendency to do that. But to your point, it is also kind of becoming a bit of a consistent issue. The, the irony of it is in the first 10 minutes of a game, Spurs look like the best team in the league. Like, <laughs> like when like when we are like firing on all cylinders, it's like nobody plays like this. Like nobody looks like this good when we look good. The problem is that it doesn't typically last for a full 90 minutes. And if we don't blow teams away within that first 30 minute spurt, you're always worried about whether or not you're going to keep all three points. I saw a tweet the other day I want to ask you guys about. So I don't remember who tweeted it somewhere on Spurs Twitter and basically was saying all these injuries are basically because of Angeball making the connection between the intensity that we play with and how many more injuries we've picked up. Now, a lot of people in the comments were basically like brushing it aside and saying like we've had injury problems forever and ever. That's just always been our case with Spurs. But I don't know that we've had this level of an injury problem. What do you but guys think? Also, like, is this a, is I this also, a, yeah. I would also say that injuries seem to be up across the league. It's not just Spurs that are being like taken down by injuries. Every team we talked about Newcastle probably had more of their more important players injured than we did. I mean, you can look there. Holland's hurt. Uh, KDB's hurt. Like, uh, like Wang from United. the Wolves just got hurt today. United has a bunch of injuries. I just don't, I feel like it's just, Across the board, there are a lot of injuries, and that might be the buildup of all these almost all these players we talk about play international football, and stemming from that mid of mid season World Cup, that kind of, and then in the years pre preceding that, all these players have been playing at more tournaments than they were before. Like we have the Nations League, which was something that was just instituted four years ago. Are we seeing? the blowback of so much international football all the time, in addition to the, what seems like the increase of what's happening at the club level too. So 
it just might be that players are just going to get injured more now. And it's imperative for clubs to plan for adequate backup in a way that they probably haven't before. And I would say that's our problem. That's to me seems like our problem specifically is, yeah, we can say a bunch of guys got injured, but how many of those guys were actually playing? And so is it the style of football that's causing the injuries or? Well, the only one that was injured who wasn't playing was probably Phillips and um, Sessignon. But Sessignon's hurt all the time. I mean, Manor Solomon didn't get, I mean, he didn't get hurt. He, He got hurt in training. This isn't yeah. like game yeah. time stuff has been causing those injuries either. Perisic wasn't hurt on the pitch either. He was hurt in training. But the biggest three were all on the pitch. Yes. Yeah. And you can say that, but I don't. Well, uh, I guess the other question is even injuries aside, is there something to the fact that the intensity that we come out with is simply unsustainable? And maybe that's why we're seeing those drop offs in the last 10, 15 minutes. The the exceptions obviously being the games that we had to find late winners in. Uh, but even in those games, I mean, I don't know. I, that was also earlier in the season. Yeah, I think it's probably a little from column A, a little from column B. Um, I agree with Cam, though, that just injuries seem to be up across the board. I think that we've been talking about it for a while now. It's, it's just how many minutes all these, these guys are playing now. <clears throat> but I do uh, think there's probably something to the idea of the intensity that Ange wants them to play at. You know, it, there's it's almost unquestionable that it would cause something. It seems like hamstring injuries in particular, right? Because he's got he's got these guys just sprinting full force so frequently. Um, is I, it sustainable I know, though? Like, is that something that, or is that just more reason that we need to have a bigger squad because guys aren't actually going to be able to keep playing every game at this rate? Yeah, I think I think it's probably the latter. There, I think that we probably do yeah. need to have. A deeper squad. I think that injuries are, you know, again, they're part of the game. Hopefully, uh, you know, the players will get more fit and have less of those injuries. But I, I don't know how much. I mean, how much is a hamstring injury due to, you know, not being fit enough? I, I, I don't, I don't know. Are hamstring well, yeah. injuries caused by fatigue? Uh, well, I, I, I'm not even necessarily arguing and- that players aren't fit enough. I, I think it's just a matter of like. You're doing more than most other players are doing. Um, well, that, and to your so, sustainability question is, is 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 there a fitness level they could reach that would make it so they wouldn't be getting injured as, as frequently? I think that the fact we have five subs helps a lot if we have yeah. you know good subs to use. Um, I think it would probably be smart if maybe he started making subs a little earlier even. Um, I can understand why he doesn't because we don't have the deepest bench right now. Um well, let's talk about the Everton match specifically. Um, Tottenham two, Everton one. Really, really quickly, just just because you, you you asked about the Ange injury thing, I know yeah. a lot of other people have been talking about the Ange, uh, the issue with our getting yellow and red cards a lot. If that is also the, how we come out firing, I don't know if if I mean I know he wants us to be aggressive, but I don't think he means that. So, just curious if uh, do you guys think anything about that idea. Well, it's interesting because he has been asked about that, um, especially after the Basuma card. I know he was asked in the press conference about, like, your team's picking up all these cards. Is it an issue? Are you addressing it directly with them? And he basically said no. Like, I don't talk to the players about them getting cards because I don't need to convince them that getting cards hurts the team. They know that it does. And 
for them, it's also a, their own punishment because they're missing games and every player wants to play every week. So they're hurting the team and they're hurting themselves. But he, I don't know, to me, it seemed like he was almost saying like, this is obvious, so I don't talk about it. Um, so I don't know that he's looking at it as like, this is a serious issue that I have to address because it sounds like he hasn't addressed it. When I, the, other, the main thing I would say against the idea that, that his system or his style of play is contributing is that most of our, you know, most of our cards have basically been three players and we already knew Romero was a walking red card. <laughs> uh, we didn't see much Basuma last year. So I don't know if he had the same disciplinary, you know, issues when he was at uh, Brighton. Um, yeah, I don't know then, either. You know, De Destiny is new to us this year. So I don't know what his history is of this, but the vast majority of those three guys, the rest of the team seems to play a lot more disciplined. And Romero, didn't he like not even pick up a foul in the first handful of games, let alone a card? Well, he could only keep that up for so long, apparently. Right. Well, he did play the first half of this game, which is is really the only half that we uh, looked very good in. And came out like gangbusters, scored in the first 10 minutes. Another Richie goal. Another goal with his feet. With his feet um, yeah. This is three goals in four matches now. Um, so he's rolling right along. And then nine minutes later after that, in the 18th minute, um, Sonny scores off of a rebound in the box. And it looks like we're going to, like, if we if we score the third goal, then basically the game might be over in the first 30 minutes. Um, and unfortunately, that's not quite what happens. And for one reason or another, I mean, I guess that's the question, like, what actually do you think is the reason why we kind of just fell off after the first 25, 30 minutes? Is it just a fact of guys are getting gassed or do you think it's something else? Everton tried harder. <laughs> they went down two goals and they didn't just fall apart. They got their foot stuck in and they tried to get a hold of the ball more in a way that they did not in the first 20 minutes. So we, I want to say, like, going into halftime, I was just thinking, like, okay, we get we get in there at halftime. Um, and I feel like if Romero came out, then things probably wouldn't have been as helter-skelter. Um, and I think we probably – maybe we don't score, but it's very possible that we prevent them from scoring. Um, so I, that's the way I look at it is, you know, the game state changed a lot, losing our – only considered like our only true center back so to me that was like really when i said like okay hopefully we hold on to this to these uh this win because um to me without him in the team like he he does more than just defend he makes it so that we can attack he's part of our attack and losing that and that then then becoming dire and then we also see hoiberg come in and i feel like those two together I don't know. They're anytime things seem to go wrong, it's those two that have come in together. Um, mm -hmm. so to me, that that was the big thing. So I, I feel like if we get into halftime and we come out with the same guys, like that second half is not so much of us getting run over. Um that's the way I look at it. It's not like we didn't have chances. That's true. We we still did have our chances, but I mean, I would say. To me, the first half of it was Everton decided to get into the game. And that's 
that's what you should expect from an Everton team that has Deitch as a coach. Like you should expect them not to give up. Um, to me, that's what happened. Yeah, I just I remember like watching the last uh, twenty or thirty minutes, and just being like, "Yo, I hate this so much. Um, <laughs> this is just such an annoying game. Like it just wasn't." The first half, I'm like, I got my popcorn. I'm like, I'm oh man, this is amazing. Um, there was this one play, I think it was it had to be in the first half, where we passed the ball through the midfield. There was like a backfield flick, and it was honestly the oh, most beautiful there. play of the game that they ended up making. they ended up uh fouling us to stop the break. But I'm like, yo, we're playing like this. I don't even know who this is. This is like prime Barcelona over here. Um and then, yeah, like the second half of the game, there was no, there was nothing like that. It was just a lot of it looking like they were going to score. And um, at some point they actually did score. In the 82nd minute. 82nd minute. Okay. Well, they had that um, one ruled off like what, 10 minutes before that too. For the yeah. That and, was and minute 51 and that was a foul. <laughs> that was a foul. Yeah. And not to mention but, of the final minute of the game. Um, I believe it was the final minute, the final two minutes, yeah, where it looks like one. they have a ball that goes in the goal. And I would have swore, looking at the replay, that it crossed the line. But just by about a fifth of the ball was still on the line. And so goal line technology said that um, it was not a goal. And we got away with it because, yeah, that's we are talking about centimeters um, away from getting one point instead of three. Well, yeah, I mean, I think overall we were pretty fortunate to hang on to all three points there because there were, I mean, there was a danger a chance right at the end as well. Um, at least it it seems like the last few games we've, we've been riding our luck a little bit, but considering how unlucky we got in the middle of the season or the middle of this first half of the season, it's kind of like we rode our luck for the first, what, eight, ten games, got very unlucky for about five games there, and now things have started to turn a little bit luck-wise. But I, I wonder, to uh, to Kim's point, with uh, Romero going off, I wonder if I'm, I was trying to remember at the beginning of the season when we were playing, you know, when we were getting really good um, results. Did we play more consistently throughout the game, or was it still, you know, just coming out all guns blazing and then fading? And I just wonder if there's a chance that the team is reluctant to play as um, riskily as doing all these one touch passes and back heels and all that stuff. Because they're concerned with the defense that they have to run back. They don't have Vanderbilt there as a cheat code to chase everybody down. They, you know, they just they can't play as as riskily in terms of losing the ball, especially high up the pitch. Um, so I want to foresee some of that. Obviously, Basuma was looking great at the beginning of the season. He hasn't looked as good recently, mm -hmm. and now with Skip in there and Boivier, I just wonder if that's you know causing some some problems just because we don't have basically, you know, like a holding midfielder in the way we, the press resistant midfielder in the way we did with Basuma. So we're just finding that. Or Ben Tanker. Yeah. So, I mean, just like the, the tempo seemed to slow down so much, even when we did have the ball in the second half and then even at the end of the first. I just wonder if there's, you know, a little in the back of the players' minds about the personnel they have out there. And I mean, like, when you really look at it, like, we don't have, we started a star and skip midfield in Emerson Royale at left back like we won the game and like we're playing players that we 
don't want in our first 11. So, like, in years we're past, playing, we'd be yeah. losing these games. We're so, playing like, players I, that we don't even want in the squad at this point. <laughs> I mean, well, yeah, I mean, I think that's good. I'm not, I'm not so Dyer's the one, yes, obviously, yeah. Dyer's the one, but I was like, other than that, I'm okay with these guys being in the squad. I'm okay but, with everybody like, other than that. but it's, it's, I don't like, know how much skip yeah, is going like, to stick around for the long term, but I'm okay. I feel with like we just have to, we have to sometimes take this in like it truly into context. Like, yes, our attack is the most of the attack that we want, but like the fact that we're still able to manufacture goals without James Madison, like. In years past, if we had a player like James Madison out of the team, we'd fall apart. That's and true. that's not happening. So like we're we're still like like I, I, I just look at this as yes, like yes, we could have lost that game. We could have drawn that game. More likely we'd have drew the game than lost it, truly. But we didn't. And there are times where that will flip the other way and that goal will go, I mean, that goal will go across the goal line and we'll be a little disappointed about the context. Basically, what happened at Wolves might could happen again. <laughs> um, but to me, it's like we upgrade certain places and some of these fears start to disappear. And yeah. we're this is the we we got we had we have one transfer window under this manager. Like I expect us to sign some players in January and I expect us to again sign some more players in the summer um i'm not really worried about us signing players now we we seem to have a track record of at least getting a couple of people in through the door they might not be perfect they might not be exactly what we needed but we're still trying to filter out some of these guys in the squad we really only have like two that we might say like yeah it'd be nice if they didn't play for us but for the most part we just need more reinforcements you know, I, I I agree with that, and 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 just remember at the beginning of the season, how we all heard about how the first season, especially the first half of the season, was going to probably be a little rough under uh, you know Postacoglu. He he, I mean, he preached that that um, it can be difficult to to impart his his style on the team, and that there are going to be some ups and downs, and and I think we're we you know we're definitely seeing that. It's just it's taken place in a weird way in terms of how high we were flying at the beginning of the season and then how low it was with the whole injury crisis and how many, how many losses or how many, was it five games without a win, I think. And then now, um, you know, like Kim said, we could have easily lost that game yesterday. We could have also easily won the game against Villa. We could have easily won the game against Wolves. Hopefully in due course where he does get more players that suit his system and we do get more depth, that we'll be able to weather a storm like we, what we did even better than what we are right now. So we're still pretty much in an injury crisis, especially with Romero hurt again right now and the suspensions all taking place at the same time. I mean, again, uh, how many, only like half the team on Saturday were what we would consider to be our strongest 11. Yeah, I, mean, and I think that's a good point. And I think the point that Kim raises is also good in terms of looking at the lineup that we played and how many players are out. I mean, I think at the beginning of the game, when you saw the lineup before the match even started, if someone had described the game to you and said, we end up winning, you'd probably say, oh, the, the guys played pretty well. And you probably would have took, took the game that we got. The issue, I think, ends up always being the fact that the first 20 minutes starts and you see how well this group of players can play together that by the time you get to minute 80, it doesn't feel as acceptable as it would have at minute zero 
because the first 10 minutes lets you know, actually, this team can actually play better than I would have expected. So I think that's always what ends up frustrating you. And you even talk, Ben, about how we started the season and how we were flying almost immediately. I mean, when Ange, when they talked about, oh, Ange teams really struggle in the first six months, da 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 da. Like, I was expecting the struggle to be a lot worse than it is right now. And I certainly wasn't expecting to be fourth at Christmas. So I think that's also messing with us as a fan base is like, we see how good this team has been enough times to kind of feel like this should be normalized. And every time we get enough injuries to feel like, okay, we're going to be, we're going to be bad now. They still put in little 15, 30, 20 minute performances that make you feel like, oh, so they actually can still be nice. Like, <laughs> I think that's the frustrating part about it. But um, I mean, you bring up the injuries and then there's the yellow and red card suspensions. And then you have a group of players that are going away on international duty. And so as we enter the month of January, you have the following players that will be out for one of those three reasons. Sonny, Bissouma, Saar, Romero, who's now hurt, Bentenker, Solomon, Sessegnon, Perisic, also all hurt. Vandeven. And then you've got Vandeven and Madison, who are also all hurt, but those are the two that are supposed to come back at some point in January. Maybe they asked Ange about Vandeven coming back. Apparently, Vandeven was at a, darts, a, a, darts, darts. a darts event and was telling fans he'd be back in a couple weeks. And when they told Ange this in the presser, he laughed. Um, so probably not the reaction that I was uh, hoping for. But we actually really don't know when those guys will be back. So it could be any anywhere from the middle of the month to the end of the month uh, to maybe even early February. Nobody really is telling us a lot. Yeah, it, it, it's scary to even think about what lineups. We're, we have basically a, a, a starting 11 worth of players that are not going to be available um so it's 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 tricky to think about how we're going to even put together lineups Um, fortunately we only have currently like three games scheduled this month hopefully more if we're able to beat Burnley in the FA Cup but I think the real uh, fear I don't know if that's the right word but like you're really putting a lot of your trust in Kulisewski at this point like he's going to have to do a lot for this team to even continue to survive. Yeah, but I feel like he's sort of showed that he's at least up for it more than we might have thought in the past. Like he's scoring and assisting this year. Um, so do you do you think though with Sonny being out, then is he going to play him through the middle still? Because I I just think he he seems way more productive playing as an eight or a ten. But who than... will we play? Yeah, no. On the right and the left, if we don't play Kulisevsky. Well, is Solomon supposed to be back? Who else is he? Who else do we have? I'm trying to think. Obviously, Johnson. Well, you um, probably put Kulisevsky on the wing and start Geo. Yeah. Yeah. Probably. And then if Madison comes back. Can, can and who would have thought that Gio LaCelso would become such an important player to this season? Can Gio I play did. on the wing? Can Gio play on the wing? I don't think so. I mean, I would much. Even if he does, I would much rather him be playing at the 10 anyway. So I, I just would prefer Kulisewski as a 10 over Gio right now. Um, I would too. I just don't think he's as flexible as a player. Yeah. So, great. like, yeah. Um, And I would rather him starting than, like, Brian Hill. <laughs> so, 
you know, at the end of the day, like, yeah, I would rather just put Kulisewski. Yeah, and and the way that we play, like, he's going to move around anyway. So he'll have opportunities to kind of drift inside and still be able to create even on the wing. Hopefully they'll sign a winger in, in January. A winger defender, I think, is what we need the most. Uh, it probably would be good to have, again, kind of a, a somebody that's a more natural backup for Basuma. That's if Skip doesn't show something over the next couple weeks. But I would say our priorities would the first one I would think would have to be a center back just because we were thin coming in and you know right now we're decimated. Well, well, Ange has consistently said in the press conferences that he is very much planning to sign a center back. He said that that's a priority um, for this window. Um, and then I also saw um, a rumor earlier on uh, Fabrizio Romano's page that. Um, we were looking at sending a proposal to Ajax for this Belgian midfielder, Stanis Udombo Muzambo. Um, so I've never heard of him before, but apparently that's someone that we're looking at going after. Um, so I imagine we're probably going to have um, a few different pots on the burner with the hope to sign probably two at the least and three at the most. I mean, that that's a decent window, and I think that gives us enough cover um, to get to the end of January where hopefully some of our important players will be coming back. He said hopefully Levy will go against his, his instinct and just pay a little over the asking price, just get the guys early. It lowers, lowers the amount of competition you'll have to deal with. It's not like I mean, you I, ever end up getting the player for cheaper by doing it later in the window. I mean, Yeah, I mean, I, I think you raise an interesting point because this, this is – this is, I think, a very interesting window to see what where Levy is <clears throat> as a chairman, but also in terms of his trust in Ange. I think we've had such a significant turnaround in terms of performance, um, in terms of general mood around the club, that I can't imagine. Well, I shouldn't say that. Um, I would hope that based on all of that, um, he would see that, like, there's something worth investing in here. When January we, in particular, you, you, you again, you, the only players you're going to get in January is you're going to cough up full price for a player because the team doesn't want to let them go, or you're going to get a player that another team is not that keen on, like what we got with from from Juventus a couple of years ago. You get there, what to them is their castoffs. Right. So we can either find some really good deals there if we want to be patient, and maybe some positions we could be. But for center back in particular, I think you just need to splash the cash on the first of January and just get get your go for your top target. If they don't turn it down, then go directly to the next one and you know try not to get into uh, you know. Well, you, I mean, you talk about like back and forth. You talk about getting some um, castaways that might be worthwhile for the team, um, and obviously Benton Kerr and Kulusevski has have really really worked out for us, but. I also feel like just looking at the past few windows, I feel like you can start to trust that our recruitment department is starting to become more aligned, um, not only within themselves, but also with the coach. And I think last window was proof of that. So I, I, I am fairly confident that if we do get someone, um, it's going to be someone that the coach wants and is going to fit into the system. Um, I think the only outstanding question is like how willing we're going to be to spend um and if we're going to continue to wait till like the last five days of the window 
like we typically have done under the Levy regime. So I think those are like interesting questions that um, I don't know how they will be answered, but um, we will find out, I guess, in the next four weeks. Have you guys heard of anybody interesting that you're like, oh, I hope we sign this player? Um, I have, you know, much to my delight, been hearing about a lot of players that I don't know anything about. Uh, which I said on the last episode is exactly what I want. So I don't, I can't even say I'm excited about any of these guys. The only person that I know I had like actually seen is um, Tosin, the, uh, the center back at Fulham. Um, and he is actually very good. So, you know, I, I would be fine with that signing, but I don't know if that's a real rumor, if that's something that fans have created. The guys that I've been seeing um, outside of him are mostly unknown to me. There's the guy from Nice. Was it Totoba or something? Yeah, name. yeah. That's the that's the that's the name I've been hearing a lot of. But I definitely don't watch French football, so I'm Same, not man. I'm not that familiar with him either. But Debo, something like that. Yeah. So Nice, though, I think are towards the top of the table, and apparently he's a top target for a lot of Premier League teams. So I don't think, you know, unless we that, that, again to the point of if you're early, maybe you can beat out the other teams just by being the quickest to it. Um, yeah, and, and and now I mean our 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 situation looks good for an incoming center back because you can come in with right now our two starters injured and try to cement a place. Um, I I saw that it being bandied about like thirty five million, which seemed like how much was Van de Ven again? Forty, was he? I thought it was. I thought he was maybe even more. Been, I can't remember. He might have been fifty. He might yeah, be like fifty then, with add ons. And then who was the other guy that that was the main target at the same time? Another player in the uh in the Bundesliga. I'm trying to remember. Tapsoba. Yeah, yeah Tapsoba. Tapsoba. I wonder if he's still a potential target. I think he was. He was supposed to be like. I think 60 he signed a new contract. Long term. I think he. Yeah, I don't think he's available contract. anymore. So I mean, for, from what I've heard about the guy at Nice, though, um, is that he's kind of another Romero, like another very aggressive. Is that player. is that good or bad? And, yeah, so it's it's. Fun. I don't know if we need two Romeros playing next yeah. to each other. But apparently like the, he can be play. like the Bash Brothers from Mighty Ducks too. Yeah, no, but apparently he can play either left or right back. So that would be a pro. Is you could have one guy come in to potentially fill either position. Um, and yeah, one I, thing I, that Ange did say is that like he is not specifically targeting a right or a left center back. He's just there. He's just trying to get a center back. So. It could so, be a right one. It could be a left one. He said when they were looking at Van de Ven, he just happened to play left. He was just looking for a good center back. And so yeah. it seems like he'll be willing to let his right center backs play left center back if they're good enough to do it. So, Well, you think the two priorities, if we, if, if we were to get two guys, the two priorities are probably at this point center back and midfield. I would say which, midfield above midfield. You'd say what? Winger uh, ahead of midfield. Oh, interesting. So, uh, it's like I feel like they kind of flip flop for me. Um, I don't know which one I actually think is important because I, I guess we don't have the prototypical and winger, but we still can score goals, so that's not the problem to me. Um, but I feel like we are more decimated in the midfield than we are up front because we're moving a guy that normally plays up front to the midfield because we don't have enough midfield cover. Yeah, there but it is. I, I, st I still would say that he's better in the midfield than he is up front, if we're talking about uh, Kulisewski, I assume. And then <clears throat> what I would say is if they if they sell uh, Hoybier, then I think they need to replace him. But I would think that 
I think a winger is just more necessary at this point, just because of Ange's style of play. We have a lot of bodies in midfield, and, and yet they're not the, – the only one I feel like we don't have adequate backup to, though, is Basuma. And I think that Skip potentially could play that role. We've only seen him a little bit. He did okay at Everton. Nothing, you know, eye-catching exactly. But Basuma hasn't been that eye-catching uh, over the last few matches before that either. I, I Not to say that it wouldn't be a good buy. I just think um, – I just think we we have more depth at midfield. We have more pieces you can plug and play. Uh, you know, losing Sar and Basuma does change that probably a little bit, but so does losing Sonny. Um, yeah, I, I I don't know. That's that's a good question though, overall. I, I I agree though that center back is the the top priority. Yeah, I mean, you raise a, a good point about Sun being out for an, an indeterminate amount of time, depending on how far South Korea advances. And at the same time, I'm thinking about Kim's point, which is our midfield is, is so is so falling apart that we have to put a winger at the 10. I do think that he's better at the 10, but I don't get the feeling that this is uh, going to be his long-term position. Um, I don't know, but just conversely, you could say our wingers are so bad that we're having to put one of our best 10s at the wing. <laughs> I know he started yes, the wing, but, yeah, but I, don't I think, think his long-term position yeah. might be in the midfield. I mean, I also think when you think about who's the best person to play at the 10, you know the answer is James Madison. When you think who's the best person to play at right wing, I don't know that there's another name that I would put in front of Kulusevsky. And so that is, that's ultimately where he's going to end up because the other wingers are just not as good as him. <laughs> I don't I don't think in this, in this system, I don't think he looks great on the wing, though, because like you were saying earlier, even, you know, if he is out on the wing, you'll see him cut in. But that's not what Andrew wants from his wingers. He wants his wingers to stay wide and try to, you know, get 1v1s and put crosses in. Kulisewski has almost kind of like one move, and that's to, you know, faint to the byline and cut back and get on his left foot or to put an early ball in if he's, you know, at the top of the box. Hey, he, 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 he went to his right, and when he scored against Forrest, I mean, that he goal should have <laughs> absolutely not scored, but still, he did score. Right. Yeah, no, I just I feel like his his skill set to me it looks more effective in that more central position. Um, I, I actually Brandon agree Johnson with you. Looks better I, on the right I just, than the left. Yeah, I mean, maybe Johnson, maybe Johnson, Johnson is, is, is as good on the left, but I don't know that he's better. I think yeah, and I, I would, think that's I the issue. It's like if he if if there isn't someone better than him at that position, and you know there are other people that can play in the middle. Specifically thinking about matters and on a lesser scale, Geo, then it's like it's hard to justify it. Um, the the question I was going to ask is, you know, if we were to get a midfielder, um, what role do you think is most vital for the time being in terms of like the six, the eight, or the ten? The six, I think the six is the most important because I think I think Bentoncourt could potentially play the six, but I also think he could play the eight. Saw Sar, I can play the eight. I don't think Sar the eight. Yeah, Sar the eight. Six. Yeah, he's kind of just the, that. Um, let's see. Uh, again, Hoybier. Sar's not going to be there anyway. So you also you also need cover for him yeah. at least for the at least for the time being. I'm not saying that we should base our transfer window around one month. But yeah, no, I, I get you. I, I I guess this for right now. What would I see at January? Our midfield being would probably be Skip in the six, and then. Skip um, Hoybier, they probably split it. They probably do. Yeah, yeah they, they might do an every other game type thing, or maybe that's the, like one of them is the sub for the other. Um, probably Lacelso and uh, 
The Celso Kulusevsky. Who am I forgetting? Yeah, because then, then, then your wings messed up. Um, you can't have Skip and Hoybier in at the same time. That's a Conte midfield. And then I'm trying to think who else. And, and, well, so, and then, and then like, so this this goes back to it. It's like, do we do yeah. we actually just need someone in the midfield? Because well, that would play midfield is, and get a winger. If I had uh, my brothers, that's what I would go yeah, with. Yeah, I, I I think I'm with Kim. Um, in terms of like, I I would go with the midfielder over the winger. But what but what you, midfield you position? Lo Celso, Matt, you can't have Lacelso and Matters at the same time. Do you think? Uh, Lacelso can I play think- eight. I think Gio can play eight. Yeah. But how is this? He's not as good at pressing or tracking back as Kulisewski is. Like, when, didn't we play Kulisewski and LaCelso at one point? And even that was a little thin, just in terms of the defensive side of it. I don't, I feel like LaCelso is too much of a 10, and so is Madison, and neither one is really an eight. Well, this is the whole thing, Vancouver. right? Like, as you have so many players out, whatever lineup you come up with is not going to be ideal. It's, it's going to have outside, gaps. Yeah. It's going to have holes. It's just a matter just, of which holes you're most comfortable with. <laughs> I, I personally, I would, I think I'd like to see Skip or Boybier uh, and then LaCelso and Kulsevsky in, in the midfield and then Brennan Johnson and Brian Hill as the wings with, with Charles in the middle. I just don't see I, I, I try to see it for Brian Hill. I really do, but it it's just bypassing me. Uh, he he's just not it for the Premier League. Like I'm not saying so he's wait, not wait. it for somewhere else, but I just don't think he can stand up to the physicality of this league. It's so. It's, who would your midfield and, and and forwards be in January? All right, I would. Yeah, I mean it's tough, but I mean that might be what it has to be. But I don't like it. <laughs> oh, I, I mean I don't. Wait, like, what what would it be? Well, what he's saying. Wait. Bring cool assessment to the midfield. My thing is, are oh, we going to yeah. start seeing more kids? Because if Ange thinks they're ready to play, he'll play them. So that, that could definitely be a game changer. I was, we'll just have to see because at this point, um, what's the Donnelly has been playing in and around the first team for most of the season. So and he's the 10, right? And he's he is a 10, but I think he, he can also play on the wing. Like he's known to score and assist in. I mean, Dayton, and Scarlet's back, and there's is it Vallejo, right? Like, what if what if they played Richie on the wing and started one of those two guys as a striker? At least both of them. Is it is it, is it what what's his first name? I probably Vallejo, I yeah, Vallejo. Vallejo. Okay, there it is, yeah. Vallejo. That's yeah. his. Uh, yeah, portmanteau. You kinda, yeah, you kind of put them together there. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Dane is back. Uh, that that loan at Ipswich didn't really work out. Um, he really wasn't getting much playing time. And so he's been recalled. It's it's interesting to see what happens if we keep him around or if we loan him back out in January. I'm not sure exactly what the plan is there. Um, I think pulling him back from Ipswich was the right move because obviously if he's not getting playing time, then it really doesn't serve its purpose. Right. But um, he's club locked now too. He can't get another loan because he played like a, a half for Spurs was against Fulham, I think. Oh, okay. He was at Cup Tide. Oh, you can't be loaned again. Oh, okay. I did not know that. Yeah, it's just something I read. I didn't realize you couldn't be loaned again after playing for two teams. So I think the max you can play is minutes for two teams. It's, even though one of them was not a loan team, since he played for us in a you know actual competition, an FA right. competition. Yeah, Got he it. can't be loaned. So he's just going to be training with the first teamers. I mean, this is a great opportunity to grab it, but he's still young. Well, it's tricky because I still do feel like Feliz is above him in the pecking order. And so 
I feel like even with Sonny being out at this point, Richie is back in the center forward position. He could yeah, play the way right now. It's hard um, to take him away from that right now when he's hitting stride though, too. Yeah, That'd exactly. So wait, well, I, who who would you pick for midfield and forwards then? Oh, um, I think I'm going to play. I'm trying yeah, to think. This is if, what they call a selection headache for real. <laughs> yeah, like because you have to play Skip and Hoybier, right? Um, because you don't have any more sixes and eights. The only other thing Unless to Benner do came back, but he's is, not coming back um, until like February, probably. February, yeah. What you could do if you didn't want to play Skip Hoybier, you could do Geo at the eight with one of the two of them at the six, and then have Kulisevsky at the ten. That's what I said, but. I don't know that you have enough. Yeah, I don't know if you're getting that. enough ball retention from Gio to play the eight consistently. I think that's, that's, that's what I was worried about with him. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. it's really is like, it's a matter of like, are you willing to sacrifice some of the possession? You know, yeah, some of the possession in order to like create a better offense. And I think that would depend very much on who the opponent was. The um, only option I can see for for keeping Kul- Kulisevsky up on the wing would be a Hoybier skip, like skip in the six and Hoybier in the eight, I guess, or vice versa. And then Geo is the ten. That's just like I said. That's a uh, it's stodgy, but uh, <laughs> but you know, yeah. What I do think is we will see at least some of the kids as um, subs at some point, probably for more minutes than just five or six. Like I could see some of the young guys getting like 20 minutes because we really need them to play. <laughs> so who do you, who do you see as our best defense right now then? Cause I know we were talking about that on the chat earlier is Ashley Phillips get some minutes now. Is it just going to be Romero back there as the right center back? Cause we'll have you doggy is going to be back now. Yeah. Um, we'll a doggy. Um, ben he's not going, is he on any African team? You doggy? No. Which does no, he play for the Italian, Italian. He Italian team, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I would play Dogie. I would play Ben Davies. Definitely. He, by the way, he's been one of the undermentioned uh, players yeah. of this. Uh, he's had two two of these seasons. I think in the last three years, we had some weird renaissance change into a different position. This year's no, nah, like this is the thing is like Ben Davis is the man. Like he's seven out to, of ten. Like you have to understand. Easy. Like Ben Davis is the man. Like he's never. I've been watching Spurs for about eight years now, maybe it's nine. Whole time. And like I, I don't remember many instances where I walked away from a game and said Davis was bad tonight. Like I don't really remember him giving bad performances. He might not necessarily blow your socks off. But he's gonna put in a shift, and he's going to be fine. Like he's never like gonna for, be out there just like time, looking awful. Him, his name was grouped in with Dyer and um, Sanchez, and so that's crazy. When, that's crazy. But, yeah, I never felt that way. But what him. I'm saying is, I'm I, mean, I never felt that way about him either. Yeah. But you would see his name lumped in with the folks we want to get rid of. Get rid of. Yeah, he like for years he was lumped in with those. Three guys. Man, and it was speaking like, of, I would love to have that Big Dave on the on the pitch right now. <laughs> that would be our cover at right center. Back. I'm actually good was, with us not he having just be Dav. falling. He, he yeah, like I'm at, falling. I'm actually good with <laughs> us not having Dav or Longley. Like I'm actually good. Like y'all can stay where y'all are. I'm fine without Longley, but yeah. I, I do. I would. I would. I would rather have Sanchez than Dyer. No question. I'd rather have guy that falls down too much than guy that's slow and turns the ball over all the time. 
yeah, but we can't get any money for Dyer and we could could for Sanchez. So yeah, that's why he's no longer here. Well, well, looking yeah, ahead, we've got uh, Brighton. Well, by the time you guys hear this, it'll be today because uh, we're recording this on Wednesday night. Um, so the Brighton match is on Thursday at two thirty Eastern, uh, one thirty Central, and I guess that's eight thirty local. Um, Brighton is currently ninth in the table. Uh, they're coming off kind of a weird form. Uh, they just drew to Crystal Palace. Uh, before that, they lost to Arsenal and drew to Burnley. Um, so they've been in a bit of a slump lately. Um, looking at the table currently, like I said, they are ninth with seven wins, six draws, and five losses. So their season has been pretty consistently average um, when you look at it. And they're technically average because they are smack dab. Um, in the middle of the table as well. So um, this is going to be an away match. Um, we kind of know a little bit about Brighton and how Deserby plays, um, but they also are coming with a rash of injuries. Um, Matoma also just got hurt as well. Um, so that's another big blow that they're going to have. Um, I saw a list of, um, all the players that they had injured. It, it certainly was not as long as our list, but I think it was like six or seven players out. So they're also going to be coming in a bit depleted, and that probably has um, somewhat affected their current form as well. Um, looking at the last match where they drew against Crystal Palace, they had the following players listed. Uh, Tarek Lamptey, Sally March, Estupinian and CISO, Veltman, Ansu Fati, and Adam Webster. Um, and then you add Matoma to that list as well. Um, so with all that in mind, Kim, what do you expect from this team? And I guess more importantly, like what about this team should we be concerned about or looking um, with a cautious eye towards? Funny enough, I might have been the person to watch the least amount of Brighton this year. They're oh well just, there you go it just has not worked out i, I was i was looking to you to be our like i you know, i usually guru. i usually at least have something You're supposed but... to be like our windy you know what i'm saying like this is hey i never call myself windy I, <laughs> I i like tactics but i don't always i'm not always able to watch all these games that's just true life um, i had a very very busy november just all over the place um so yeah i just haven't had enough chance to watch them when I usually do it's like at the last I will watch like the last few minutes so I haven't gotten like I mean I know in general how does Zerby like to play last year but that could be different than what he's really doing now so I can't really sorry there's nothing I can give you <laughs> okay fair enough no not no tactical uh info here but I think that they've been worn out by their schedule because they're in Europe this year and it's that whole first time in Europe don't have the squad depth and probably the you know experience playing that many matches so i think they've been hit by that a little and we've seen this time and time again i think about when um when wolves got into europe and and how their league form kind of fell apart and and now we're seeing similar issues with newcastle obviously they have had a lot of injuries but i'm sure being in europe had something to do with that um i don't want to say it's nice for guys to be injured but uh, <laughs> it is nice to go into a game where you don't feel like you're at as significant of an advantage based on who you have available because the other team also has a number of players in, uh, unavailable. And so that kind of evens the score a bit. I guess we can get into predictions uh, for this game, which is, is interesting because, like I said, both teams have a lot of injuries. 
it's an away game, which uh, I guess is good because it seems like our form has been better away than it has been at home. Um, I think, you know, the Zerbi versus Ange is probably going to be a very high octane game. And my concern comes back to like what we've been discussing for the majority of this podcast, which is like, are we going to be able to maintain um, the energy that this game is going to require? Um, and if and when we start to to lose gas, um, can we hold on enough defensively to to not give the game up? So this is a tricky one. I think we might draw this game. Yeah, I feel like some of the same issues uh, might continue to arise. I do feel like we'll still score goals, um, but I don't know how defensively Stout will be able to maintain. So I think I'm going to go 2-2. Two, two. Yeah, I, uh, I'm i I'm concerned about our defense. I'm curious who we're going to play as the other center half next to Davies. It's good to get your doggy back at least, but um, – yeah, I don't know. This is a tough one. I, I I think I mean they've had some issues too. Like you noted earlier, they they've been pretty average, really. Um, they do not seem to be playing nearly as well as last year, just based on, you know, the high level statistics. Um, I wonder. So you were saying we play better on the road too. I wonder if there's a a, a part of that is because we don't start as high flying that maybe our <clears throat> energies spread out better. I don't know that. We uh we don't come out as fast and hard at the beginning, so we don't, like I said, expend as much energy. I don't know if there's much to that. It might just be small sample size, so it might just be luck of the draw. But I I think we could I think we can get a win here. Um, I think I will go two one, and mostly because I think we'll we'll control the ball, so defense through offense really rather than um having great defenders out there, but hopefully we can just kind of maintain possession. Hopefully we'll see Skip. He like he apparently was, was pretty helpful in the, the defense um the last couple games. So yeah, I think yeah, I think I'll go two one. I am like going in between uh two and three because I just looked at the Brighton's keeper stats and he's played 14 games and he has zero clean sheets. So I goalkeepers make too, but... goalkeepers making mistakes. I I see that <laughs> leading more to goals. Um, but I'm gonna go. I'm gonna be safe and go two one. Um, yeah, I'll go two one. Sounds like you have the exact line of thinking I did. I literally was like three one three two or two one, and then just... I almost went two one. Um, I, I you know I feel I feel comfortable about our two goals. The the defensive side of it is is kind of where I was waffling. Vicario might end up being um what decides the, the game. And he, he very much <laughs> yeah. did decide the game at He's Everton. Goal saved a game almost. Yeah, I mean he uh he had the highest game score rating on uh FOTMOB um of both teams um in a team. I, I think he had seven saves. Um so I mean you know, we've talked many times about Vicario and obviously it's it's worth discussing him again after the shift that he just put in against Everton. But, you know, it, he does take at least a goal away from the opposition um, every game. And so from that perspective, you know, that that two one might be a, 
a Vicario game saver right there. That might be the difference in the game. And if it is, um, obviously, we might not love it, but we'll love getting the three points. So yeah, uh, however, up these points. however we could get the three points and however we could get points while we have so many players out, um, you got to take them. Yeah, it is crazy to go from club legend, you know, Hugo Lloris to uh, having this good of a keeper right on the bounce. My the, my first few years, I, I was following Spurs. It was Aurelio Gomez, and that dude was good, but he was also good for a, a, at least a mistake a game. And then it was Friedel, who was steady, but not outstanding, you know. And, right. and then it's been a decade, basically, of Lloris and now into Vicario. A lot of the statistics and data nerds were pretty high on this guy but you, you still never cheap, know it was like 15 million or something it was like bizarrely cheap it was definitely a bargain and i think that has a lot to do with the fact that italian teams are pretty broke because he was definitely rated in italy um so i know that they knew that they had a special player it wasn't like they were just giving him away because they didn't think he was good um, I think that was more so just us taking advantage of their financial situation. Um, yeah, there's no the competition in England. I mean, because of yeah, yeah, we we've we've definitely been blessed to go from from Hugo to Vic, and uh, hopefully we get another three points uh, tonight. I guess by the time you hear this, any last right. words before we uh, wrap up this episode? Oh, I did look up um Jamie Donnelly and he has played as mostly a second striker. Um and his two backup positions are listed as attacking midfield and striker. So I would assume it's that like he most likely play through the middle. Yeah. So basically what you're yeah. saying is he's gonna play this month. I think so, yeah. So I think so. I think I think he'll I think he'll get some time. <laughs> like I said, I mean, he's been the one guy that that like you can say kid has been consistently put on even if it's been for two or three minutes so i feel like when managers do that that's the next guy you can expect to actually get actual time like they start to do that to you know get them you know get them their first minutes and all that but i feel like yeah we're at a point where we probably could really use him and so i wouldn't be surprised if he ended up playing like 20 minutes against brighton well it's always exciting to see the kids and um yeah i definitely would this is as good a time as ever to be able to experiment a little bit. So why not? I'd love to see some of these guys get trotted out there. Maybe we'll see some Donnelly. Maybe we'll see some Phillips. And hopefully we'll see some points. Come on, you Spurs. Come on, you Spurs. Come on, you Spurs.